0: Now you should listen to this because this concerned to you.
1: This is about an uh, evil genius in love.
0: Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it.
1: No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. The show is being recorded for February 17th, 2022. Oh, these times are great. First, the business. The show is not kid-safe, not work-safe, not safe in any context at any time. Be forewarned. The show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial, attribution 4.0. Unported theme music is by the late great band, The General Readers. They're at generalreaders.com Bandwidth is via cashfly under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I do not speak from a day job employer. I'm not doing that job. Therefore, they got no hold on me. I'm free as a bird, baby. Free as a bird. Let us begin with the song. Last show, I told the story of Lauren Hoffman reaching out to me, and I played one of her songs, a fantastic song, which is still stuck in my head. And uh, she was one of the background singers on the uh, Camper Van Beethoven album New Roman Times. I'm pretty sure if I remember reading this, uh, I read up on her a little bit, and I think David Lowry was producing her album out this, around the same time. So I think she was in proximity and uh, was a singer on this album. I looked for some track credits to get definitive ones because I wanted to play one she sings on. I'm taking a stab here because I don't I don't have a uh, paperwork guarantee, but I think I hear her voice in this. So we're gonna play. In fact, the title track. I've played a number of songs off this album. You know, in the 16 years since it came out, I don't believe I've ever played this one. I have played. Uh, That gum you like is back in style and civil disobedience multiple times a piece. But for the first time ever, I believe I'm going to play the title track. This is Camper Van Beethoven from the album New Roman Times with the title track. All right. That was New Roman Times, a title track from the album by Camper Van Beethoven. I love that album. I love that song. But now I'm kind of in a down mood. I may, uh, from an operational standpoint, that may not have been. (laughs) It's certainly not a uh, uh, fist in the air crowd pleaser. So let us. uh, Here's how how to brighten the mood. (laughs) Let's do what uh, a lot of people, 37 people think is the best part of the show. And let's be honest. They're correct. It is the reading. of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly bit.ly slash E-G-C Patreon, and they pledged their support to keep the shambling mess shambling. And those people are in order of me finding the goddamn tab, which I can't find. Oh, they are. Here they are. <laughs> Derek Coward, Adam Rittenour, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuli, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant... Butchoco, butchoco, I say. Nutty Nukchas, Nukchas, I say. Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Steve Holden, Shannon Nelson, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, John Richardson. <laughs> what John Richardson? <laughs> Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Eric Peterson, Skeeter Murphy, Chiaki Hinohara, Robert Gibson, Len. Edgerly, I say, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Daiko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Jared M., Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, Wayne Pittinger, and Brian Jones. Thank you, one and all, for your support. It means the world to me. And with that, let us kill the music. <laughs> All right, friends, um, I'm going to talk about a topic. Um, it's one of those things where I guess uh, I'm just going to embrace the douche. Oh, did I hit the show title already? I'm going to embrace the douchiness say this. Um, last week, um, I was pushing to get a show out um, by Wednesday morning. Uh, not a typical release day for me, but I wanted a brand new show out there, and you'll notice I tried to make some uh, at least bare nods to it being friendly to new listeners. And that was because uh, the podcast hall of fame inductees for 2022 were announced Wednesday morning and uh, I'm on the list. So I could uh, do some sort of um, uh, false humility and it would be false because guys, I'm on the motherfucking list. (laughs) So here is the, uh, uh, it is a moment of pride. Um, I am uh, happy to be on the list. I mean, Let's be honest. Um, every year since they started, um, I would look at it and say, "Who is that person, and why are they on that list and not me?" So, in my small, petty mind, uh, certainly those thoughts have been had. Um, but uh, at the same time, you got to balance it out with my, uh, you know, my aesthetic. Am I? I did not wrestle with this. One could wrestle with this. Is uh, am I too punk uh to accept the award? I didn't. <laughs> I'm not too punk to accept the award. I'll take there. I'll take the damn uh, plaque. It, it, it's fun. Um, one of the best things about this. Uh, one of the reasons to not be too cool to take it is because once you're in the Hall of Fame, you're a voting member for future members of the Hall of Fame. So uh, once I'm in, I get a vote on who's in uh, in subsequent years. So um, that's worth having, my friends. That's they don't know what they've done, but it's worth having. <laughs> when you see podcast join the hall of fame you'll know that uh, you'll know that my takeover has been completed <laughs> but yeah i'm super proud um the uh i don't know i'm not going to open the kimono too much i'll i'll wait till after march 25th but the induction is on march 25th so it's part of uh, podcast movement evolutions um which is going to be held in L.A. So I'm going to go out to L.A. I'm going to be at the Marriott on the 25th. Um, If you um, uh, reach out to me, if you are in L.A. or planning on being there, uh, and let me know. And we can have... um, I'm not... I have not finalized travel plans. Um, The thing, I believe the real days of the... So I'm going to be there for uh, Podcast Movement Evolutions... Or evolutions podcast movement or pod move evolution move, however that I don't know. I, I am unfamiliar with podcast movement. I came really close to um, going to the one in Nashville. Um, Backbeat Media Dave uh, Hamilton was going, and I thought I could actually drive to Nashville. It's a big drive, but it's a drive. Um, and I considered making a last minute uh, trip out to there, but I just didn't do it. And uh, so. I have actually cracked the seal a little bit on podcast movement and I have been thinking about it, uh, you know, in the last year. So, uh, I don't have a problem with that. I will be there the thing. I believe the p- days proper are Thursday through Saturday. And there's a, like a pre show thing Wednesday. So I'm planning on flying in as early as I can, uh, Wednesday getting there, you know, midday Wednesday being through there. And I think, um, the last session is like, it's one of these things where it ends at midday on Saturday. Um, and I never know. I asked Evo for his advice on this. If you have been to podcast movement and you have advice, reach out to David evil genius chronicles.org um, at podcast expo in Ontario, California, all of the best stuff happened the night after the thing was over, <laughs> like all the best things, the spontaneous barbecues and a lot of the parties, all these things were after the thing was over. So if you left early at podcast uh, expo, you missed everything he missed everything worth seeing uh not that the the event wasn't good but like all the informal things that were just insane and cool uh happened after the thing officially ended so i don't know it's like podcast movement does not seem as uh quite as exuberant (laughs) shall we say seems a tad more formalized part about podcast expo is it was all us knuckleheads who didn't know what we were doing and so we were just sort of making of it (laughs) what we could and it seems a tad more, um, shall we say, stayed and organized and formalized. So I don't think, um, I don't think there's quite as much uh, madness and mayhem. So I believe I'm flying to Red High home Saturday night. Uh, again, anybody who knows different, let me uh, know. But that's, that seems to be the rough, the rough plans. Now, it's one of these things where I knew I, knew I was going in. So, I I knew a couple, you know, I knew like a week ahead that all this was happening cuz I I think they weren't going to announce me if I wasn't going to actually uh accept the thing, right? <laughs> so, they would have gone it would have gone to number 9. I don't know who number 9 was. Um but so I knew that it was coming down. That's why I did the show. Here's what I I knew it was coming. Here's the prep I didn't do until after The announcement was made At some point I looked Now bear in mind too, I'm also listening to the backlog of Evo Terra's podcast pontification. My um, co-inductee this year Evo Terra, also on the list Um, He uh, uh, As I'm listening to these shows from like Two and three years ago He's talking about how you, it's not iTunes anymore, it's Apple Podcasts, and you need to update all your stuff. <laughs> At which point I realized, oh, it's not iTunes anymore? <laughs> so in t- 2018, he's exhorting everyone about how to do this. <laughs> I haven't done it. And I realized I didn't even have, I have a little subscription thing that uh, PowerPress, the blubbery PowerPress thing does for you. Uh, I didn't even have Apple in that list. Um, uh, One of my former colleagues from WREK pointed out to me I'm not in Spotify. I'm like, oh, I'm not? I, I could have swore I, I, people asked me to put me in this thing. Wasn't that Spotify? No, it was Stitcher. <laughs> so because, because downloads and saturation isn't, it's not not the goal, but it's not the driving force. I mean, it's not. I'm not opposed to that. It's just that I don't put any effort into it. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, I should probably have the Apple podcast thing in there. I didn't know, starting Wednesday morning, I didn't know for sure whether I was or was not in Apple podcasts. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. So I actually am in Apple podcasts, and by having the page, I can put it in the uh, sidebar. It's like, okay, so now when you look at my page, in the sidebar, there's a subscription link to all those things. Probably a good thing to have. Probably would have been better to have it before (laughs) they actually (laughs) announced the Hall of Fame. But whatever, man is yes, Better Nate than a lever. <sighs> so, it's one of those things. Does this change my um view? Does it change what I'm doing? Does it change how I approach it? What I think about myself? No, I don't think so. Does it? I did. Um, with that last show, I specifically wanted to have an on-ramp. Uh, with. I don't know how much, like one minute of the show was like explaining to people how it works, basically, I guess. Um, I did one of the things, as much as I enjoyed the Lori Kilmartin quote that was in the montage, or the opening montage, I actually took it out. Um, kudos to anybody who can identify where that replaced quote comes from. It's <laughs> not that hard. Um, and But the, thing, the quote where she said, when you're alone in your house podcasting, it's always dead silence. I like that. I enjoyed that, but it actually just it felt like two seconds too long, and it actually, I didn't like what it did to the rhythm of that. I was like, I gotta take it out. So, I actually think by replacing that with a, you know, three second shorter clip, it actually changes the whole feel of the opening. And uh, it, it's a small change that I think has big stuff. To this day, I probably, like, by the time you hear my voice, it's probably too long. There's <laughs> The montage is pretty too much, but I'm gonna. It, it is what it is at this point. Uh, if it costs me, uh, then it costs me. Let us. What? What? What do I care? What do I care? <sighs> so, one of the things that I have done, much like many people, well, I don't remember when this thing dropped. I guess it was before Christmas. But get back on Disney Plus. I just watched it in the last two weeks, I believe. Um, the the thing that holds me up with the Marvel. Netflix TV shows is I feel like I gotta watch them in release order because there is a f- extremely slight bit of continuity between them. Well, the same sort of thinking, it's not continuity per se, but I before I watched Get Back, I thought, you know, I've never actually seen Let It Be. How can I watch Get Back if I've never actually seen Let It Be? I don't want to watch Get Back first and then watch it Let It Be. That seems wrong. So it's like, well, if I'm gonna watch Let It Be, I've never seen A Hard Day's Night or Help. So I should watch those not for continuity. It's not like I think the character of Ringo is going to be advanced from one to the other, but in context, it's like I would like to have the context of having a fairly fresh watch of all these things when I watch get back. So, uh, because, you know, me being me watching three movies, and then watching an eight hour mini series, that was about a two to three month, uh, project. And, uh, so I finally did it. Um, It took long enough that when I watched A Hard Day's Night, it was in the old house. So that would have had to have been December or uh, earlier. Um, Then I watched Help. Uh, Once I got rolling here, uh, it was in pretty short order. I think from the point where I started watching Help through the end of Get Back was less, was maybe a weekish, something like that. Once I got cranking, uh, I kept cranking. Of all those movies, um, uh, let, let me say, I would consider myself on the upper end of Beatles fans this project proved to me I am not a, nowhere close to a Beatles superfan because, for example, in A Hard Day's Night, there was a like George Harrison sung a song um, that I've never heard, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> or there was a George Harrison song in A Hard Day's Night that I didn't know George Harrison sang, and there was at least one song in uh, A Hard Day's Night I've never heard. So I, these are not super obscure songs if they're in the movie. These are not the deepest of deep album cuts. <laughs> and yet, I don't think I've ever heard this song. Um, the well, growing up, my dad had this thing called like the best of the Beatles Volume Four, so clearly a cheap ass bootleg. The cover of it was like a generic go go girl. It looked like the opening of a Bond movie. It was like generic go go girl in like shadows and light, and like not a Beatles face, not nothing. And the 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 songs on this thing were just a weird mishmash for example it had sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band not a little help for my friends it just faded out it had uh eleanor rigby something uh, all you need is love uh i think it had get back on there it was just like a weird mix of stuff <laughs> and so those are the songs like whatever weird songs were on that eight track uh, are the songs i know the best um until fairly recently, there are songs on Let It Be, I'm not sure I had ever heard. You know, or if I had ever heard, it made no impression. me. Like one after 909. just you know, cute and all, but it's non-memorable. <laughs> like other than the fact that the Beatles recorded it, there's nothing about that song. It's like it could be a lesser Chuck Berry song for all we care, right? There's nothing about it. So uh I was sort of chasing to myself. I'm like, I am nowhere close to a Beatles super fan. So uh but I will also say Hard Day's Night was cute, but not great. There was I can see it mostly as a document of that kind of exuberant, you know, really and truly, that era that they're documenting right there. The beginning of Beatlemania in England, that is the beginning of the 60s. Like 1962 might as well be 1955. It is still the 60s. And then when Kennedy gets killed, and uh the America and the world need something different. That's kind of, I honestly think the assassination of Kennedy has a lot to do with Beatlemania because people are looking for something. Uh, they're looking for a diversion and this, this was queued up. So, uh, as a document of, you know, early Beatlemania and kind of the corner being turned, uh, I think it has some value as a pure cinematic experience. <sighs> mediocre at best. <laughs> the, I thought the absolute Best part of uh, a hard day's night is that like little interlude where Ringo um, goes awol, leaves the studio, and is walking around and like sits on the bank of the river with the kids. That's the absolute shining light of the movie. I think, you know, some of the other stuff, the little wacky set pieces, you know, they're cute, but uh, you know they're they're not that important. They're not they're not that meaningful in its own way. I liked help a lot better because just the sheer absurd, um, you can kind of see their, uh, you know, their, uh, goon show, Peter sellers, uh, background. Um, I didn't know, but it makes perfect sense that the look of help was an influence on the Batman TV show, like with the bright colors and the kind of pop art sensibilities. I love the thing like where the guys walk and they're opening the, they they they're unlocking the doors of four adjacent uh you know like townhouse row row flats in London and they open it up and it's one continuous room with four beds in it <laughs> like I love stupid stuff like just a little sight gags and in its own way I I found help kind of more enjoy much more enjoyable than Hard Days Night then I watch Let It Be and let's be honest let's call let's call it as it is Let It Be is a shitty terrible movie. Other than the, the the Get back basically puts the nail in the coffin Of let it be because other than the fact That it was a document of that time There's not a good thing about Let it be in fact Get back is an indictment Of let it be because it shows what you can make With the same raw materials <laughs> Like let it be there's nothing There's no context you watching Let it be and you don't. if you didn't know the story You would know you have no idea what you're looking at There's no no one ever says Anything it's them in the studio with no explanation of why they're in the studio. The whole thing about the concert they're trying to achieve and all this stuff, you can't even really tell what's going on in Let It Be. Why are they in the studio? They don't like being in this big, cold uh, movie studio. Why are they there? I don't know. Why are, you know, why? (laughs) It's just just awful. And one of the things that uh, Get Back does that Let It Be doesn't is that Michael Lindsay Hogg is barely... On screen and let let it be He, I think there may be like His face may be represented in the concert on the roof um, But I don't know that he's like in, in the things When they're in the studio I don't know that they um, ever have him in there And then in the get back footage Where you see him kind of talking to the guys <clears throat> You realize um, That Like he of all the things Causing stress in the situation The stupid situation that they have put themselves Into Voluntarily no one made them do this They opted to put themselves in this Horrible situation and Uh but like the villain of the piece Clearly is michael lindsey Hogg. (laughs) He's such a dipshit And he's And he's so annoying And aggravating And from watching let it be you Wouldn't know that that he is this He is the burr under the Saddle of these proceedings in In very large part You know when uh You know when Peter Jackson found that footage of Paul McCartney saying, in 50 years, they're going to say that Yoko broke up the Beatles because she sat on an amp. And it's just ridiculous. You know he was beside himself when he found that footage. And he was the second happiest person (laughs) that he found that footage. (laughs) More than anything, I would say the Biggest factor, not necessarily in the breakup Per se, but in their Proceedings being awful is Michael Lindsay Hogg When he's sitting there And they're sitting around the table and he's making Suggestions, you can see this look on the Faces of the four guys Basically, they're, they're kind of Sometimes they catch each other's eyes and what they're saying Is, how did we fuck This up so badly that we Have to listen to this guy's input And pretend like we care Because his input is Stupid Hey, we're going to have a concert, uh, on the banks of the sea in Libya, and we're going to get ferry boats and boat in British audiences from here to there. And I love how the, he will one day become uh, a big movie producer and George Harrison looks at him and says, uh, who's paying for all this. That was a uh, pretty fantastic, I don't I believe that the whole George Harrison quitting the band stuff, I believe that's not even in Let It Be, which was an enormous part of the storyline of that month, right? <laughs> the just uh like just as a picture of like what it was like in there, like the sheer you could see what was amazing is you could see all the Beatles in there. You could see the my Bonnie lies over the ocean Beatles, you could see the hamburger Beatles, you could see the L S D Beatles and the you know, the Eleanor Rigby and all you need is love Beatles and that she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beatles. It was all there. You could see, you could see it as a overlay or an underlay of everything that they're doing. as they sit down and they play various songs, uh, you know, from their repertoire and they know a lot of songs. They either know or can fake a lot of songs and they just start playing and they just play. That to me is the best part of get back is them just playing. The drama, the narrative, you know, okay. But just as a picture of these guys who could do so much and, uh, you know, and especially add, when you add Billy Preston to the mix, who, you know, it really, if things had gone differently and there had been, you know, a Beatles album after let it be, or after, let's say let it be never existed. Let's say it didn't exist because they put out another different album as the 5 person Beatles with Billy Preston in the band. And Maybe I'm Amazed is on that album and Give Me Some Truth is on that album and All Things Must Pass is on that album. That would be a pretty phenomenal album. Um I'm going to pause right there. So actually <laughs> I, let me go on record to say Get Back is pretty good. All right. Let me go out on a limb and say Get Back is pretty good. I'm going to pause right there and take a sip of this. <clears throat> I just brewed this. Oh. How long have I been talking that long ago? Mm. Oh, that's good stuff. One of the side effects of this is uh you know so th- again, the they say that there was something like 60 or 70 hours of audio footage that had no accompanying video plus 50 hours of video footage um and that w- they boiled that down to the 8-hour cut of the miniseries we saw. You know, which was more expansive than the 80 minutes of Let It Be. Um, There's, and even so, that eight hours out of, you know, 110 minutes or 110 hours, still a pretty radical summation. There's a lot of room to form whatever you want uh, out of that. So it's possible you could make another eight hour uh, thing using none of that footage uh, and make an entirely opposite story where George Harrison's the bad guy. And Yoko is the good guy, and Michael Lindsay Hogg is the good guy. You know, you possible. Um, oh, one of the bits of context before I forget, I should have done this in the other part. Um, the you know that this had to have been a Peter Jackson make good on there is the thing where they show how um, it wasn't just that John had Yoko in the studio. Now he had that in her. Let's be honest, J- Yoko was in the studio a creepy amount. <laughs> it's okay it was beautiful when uh you know linda eastman and her daughter were in the studio that was great but uh or i don't remember if they were married yet i think that was maybe right before they got married um but it it was fun but you know a day or two out of that stretch like all day every day that's that's a long time to have anybody's significant other in their workplace (laughs) it just is creepy however uh the fact that george had random hari krishnas uh, as guests in the studio, just sitting there while they played, uh, you wouldn't have known that from watching "Let It Be," right? <laughs> you you only knew that Yoko was in there. Um, so uh, I thought that that was actually a, a pretty good bit of context. But um, the one of the things this exposed to me is uh, my um, lack of George Harrison solo uh, knowledge. I know some of it, but. I Like, I don't think I've ever listened to All Things Must Pass, Top to Bottom. And <clears throat> I had a passing familiarity with the song. I sort of had forgotten what a good song that is. And you absolutely, it's almost as if, the you know, he had to leave the Beatles. Because when he plays All Things Must Pass, and uh, Lennon and McCartney look at him and say, uh, I don't think so. And then they go back to... One after 909 is like, fuck you guys. Fuck this band. Fuck you guys. I am out of here. And George Harrison absolutely was totally right in there. Um, I do think that I actually think my favorite moment of the whole thing is when he, like the casual way in which he quits is so fantastic. When he sets down his guitar and says, all right, I think I'll be leaving the band now. Uh, see you around the clubs. <laughs> It's like what, <laughs> and then he just leaves, and then they go to try to talk to him, and he has fucked off to Liverpool. <laughs> it was fantastic. He's not even in London, so they can't go talk to him. He's gotten he's gotten far enough away that he knows they can't he, they can't chase after him. So, uh, I, I kind of loved all that stuff. That's actually a pretty good cool way to quit c- a band. <laughs> but so I listened to. Um, not all of all things must pass because it's a long album. But I listened to a good chunk of it. That is a good album. So, um, as you know, there is a reason why people cite it possibly as the the greatest of all uh post Beatles solo albums. the The problem with the McCartney albums is that there are probably some of the best. Well, I don't know. All things must pass is a pretty phenomenal song, and there are a few phenomenal Lennon songs. McCartney may have some of the best individual songs, but he always throws some of that bullshit. What they call, <laughs> I think they called it in Get Back, is some of the granny music. He always throws bullshit in everything. There's always a Martha, my dear, or a Maxwell's Symbol over a Hammer, or a... Uh, Uh, lonely old people. Like Venus and Mars is a great album, but it's got lonely old people, and it just kind of kills the momentum. (laughs) You know that that sort of thing. She's Leaving Home. Like people who cite Sgt. Pepper as the greatest uh, album in rock history, I'm like, no album with She's Leaving Home on it is the greatest album in rock history. It's just a (laughs) buzzkill. And also, Within You, Without You is one of the worst George Harrison songs. And (laughs) and When I'm Sixty-Four is stupid. And, uh, like, I absolutely consider on Sgt. Pepper, Lovely Rita is my favorite song on that album. I think that's the best part of that. I like it better than A Day in the Life because it's just a good rock song. Okay. uh, But anyway, George Harrison, um, I had also forgotten, like, by the time you get to the late 70s, oh, some of those albums are bad. Like, Blow Away. Um, I remember that being a good song that I remember from my youth. And I listened to some of the other songs on that album. They are terrible. <laughs> there are some really terrible songs on there. But All Things But Pass is a pretty great album. And it I I may agree with the critics. It might be one of the very best, if not the best, uh Beatles soul album. Although honestly, Photograph is a pretty fantastic none of the Ringo albums are gonna hold up as an album, but Photograph is a pretty great song. <laughs> okay. Um let us move on to uh, let us move on to another other thing. Uh, one of the, one of the problems, uh, modern problems, uh, is since the invention of the tab browser. Uh, I've been around long enough. I used Mosaic. <laughs> I used the first Netscape. I remember. I remember when Mosaic uh, also allowed uh, JPEGs. Like up to that point that you could only use GIFs. And then I remember when they enabled JPEGs and it was a big deal. It's like, oh, you can use a JPEG in a web page now. Woo, fantastic. Um the uh so since the um creation of the tabbed browser, which has been twenty years, something like that, the the jig has been up for me. It's always a mess. More often than not, much like in grandpa's house, <laughs> when grandpa couldn't find a thing. He would go to Harbor Freight and buy another one. And when I had the yard sale for him, I found 17 of the same Harbor Freight uh, socket sets, you know, just over and over in piles, be a piles of bags and and on a bag. And like every fourth bag would have the same stuff in it. And, you know, just piled up to the ceiling. My browser tabs are kind of the same. I can't find the tab that does a thing. And it's very low quick and low cost to open another one. So I just open a tab and then I realize, oh, I've got seven open tabs to the same thing. I started a little trick last week, which I don't know if it's going to hold. It's, I've, there's, I've only been doing it for a couple days, but it's a new thing. It's much like the organization I'm doing in the physical stuff. It's just the, um, it's just a digital uh, analog of that. Can you have a digital analog? This is digital version of that. Can you have a digital analog? I don't know if you can, um, but what I started doing is cause I can't find Let's say I know that I'm looking uh, on something in Amazon and I can't find the tab and I just hunt all over and I've got you know, five windows, each of which has 20 tabs in it. There's a hundred tabs across spread across these things. How do I find anything? So what I did was I actually started, I, I took a little card and I jotted down a couple of the big themes for tab windows. And the ones I picked were financial because I already had like a window that kind of had all my financial stuff in it and uh, podcast production, like shopping uh, and shopping research communication. So like your mail and, you know, I have a window with my text messages and stuff like that media and just nerd. So I, I, I took uh, some of those windows and I said, okay, this is the shopping window and every tab that was related to shopping. I just moved over to that window Closing seven duplicate tabs of everything as I did it. And when I was done, I had, you know, whatever that was, seven windows, which had maybe at most had 10 or less tabs in each of those seven windows. But now I know that I have a window that has all of my shopping related things. And if I, let's say I click a link in an email and it it will just open whatever That that tab in the frontmost browser window. If it's the wrong window, I grab the tab and I move it to the right window. And I have been trying to be disciplined about this. Now what this means is that after, and I've been doing it, like I say, not a long time, but more than a day. You know, I've been doing it maybe three days at this point. And it seems to be holding. So that when I tab, um, and I have mapped on my Linux laptop, that control tab, tabs amongst the windows within an application. So alt tab goes to other applications control tab goes within the windows of the same application. So when I'm control tabbing to look for the other browser windows, I know that it's one of those things. So if I'm looking for Amazon and there's a Walmart page up, I don't, I know that the tab I'm looking for is in there because it's in the window with the same stuff. That is sounds simple. It is simple. It's not a big difference that has totally, I, I spend 97% 97% less time hunting for things I'm looking for. When I know that I have a Gmail tab up and I cannot find it in any of these windows, I know which window it's in. When I was looking for the patrons earlier, I have a podcast production window with all the po- things related to this show right now. I knew when I control tab which window it was. Even if that's not the top tab, I know which uh I know which window it's going to be in. That is a game changer. So, I'm going to hang on to this. The themed browser windows that have tabs of like things because most of my organization inside this house is really just some of it is throwing things away that are throwable awayable. Most of it is just getting the like things together. It is amazing how much that changes your clutter when at least, even if you have the same amount of bullshit in the same, amount, the same amount of volume and the same amount of mass, in the same space, but all the like things are together. It, it's just so different. <laughs> I went looking for a thing. I'm not going to say what it is, but it is related to the Hall of Fame ceremony. And I said, <sighs> I, didn't, I don't think I've thrown this thing away. If I was ever going to have thrown it away, recently would have been when it happened. But I've been toting this thing around for 30 years. Do I still have this thing? And I went looking for it. And I went, I said, well, there's a tote, like one of those plastic tubs of things like that. Is it in there? And within four seconds, I found the thing I was looking for. That is new for me. (laughs) So as I'm unboxing moving boxes, I find I'm still finding these random boxes of just shit particularly because leaving my old house was like the fall of Saigon, there was a point where I just took a moving box next to my desk and took my arm and swept it in there. (laughs) Those boxes are uh, a disaster. But as they come out, nothing that comes out goes in a random box. I have random boxes coming in and organized boxes going out. Or not boxes. or They might be trash. Sometimes they're going in the trash, but they're going in something. They're going in a Sterilite tub with a label on the side of them. If they aren't going there, that's uh, more or less what I have been telling my daughter as, as she's going through stuff is, you can keep anything you want to keep, but you got to answer the one question, which is where does this thing live permanently? And if you don't have an answer to that, you got to make an answer to that if you want to keep it. That's the minimum, that's the minimum ante to the game of keeping this stuff. And uh, I'm holding to that for myself. I set up what I call my digitization station where I've got my, uh, my, my professional Marantz cassette deck and I've got an old Hi-Fi VHS. I have a bank of these. Like in grandpa's house, he had multiple uh, Hi-Fi VHSs. And in my mom's house, they had multiple Hi-Fi VHSs. And I have been hoarding these things because I have old Reality Break Hi-Fi VHS tapes that I need old VCRs because modern VCRs won't track them because they don't, no, no, most of them don't have video signals. They only have audio signals. And if they can't find a video signal, they don't track. Old ones used to do it differently. And so I need to uh, digitize all these VHS tapes before they die, which clock be ticking on those. So I have a cassette deck and, sitting on a VHS, and I got a little TV to monitor the VHS, and then all of this stuff is feeding into my Zoom. So I can now digitize tapes. And setting that thing up. So now the next part is the intake of. I maybe have 70 (laughs) VHS tapes and maybe 300 cassette tapes. That number may be right, but that's the orders of magnitude we're talking about that need to get digitized. So you've got the physical end of that tape and deck, you know. Keep the heads clean because there's a lot of old bullshit and flaky oxides on these things. Keep the heads clean. So digitize the things onto the card in the zoom H2, put the zoom H2 in my computer, copy those files to the NAS. And then at some point I've got to edit. I've got to catalog and figure them out. So there's a bulk intake and then a enormous amount of post-processing. But at the very least, when the physical stuff is done Things can go away. Whew. And so just getting myself to the point where I'm able to do the physical work has in itself been a, a big um, undertaking. So now I've got a box. I went through multiple boxes of cassette tapes and threw away a bunch of them, like anything that was just a dub of an album that I can eat, that I already have the, the CD of, or that I could easily get on any streaming service. I just threw the cassette away. I had a bunch of really low quality tapes of a bunch of weird bullshit from high school, all those tapes in the trash, pre-recorded tapes of things that were not like that are just ordinary, you know, um, uh, Genesis's Abacab album. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a box of that stuff to go to the Goodwill. So I'm not keeping any of that stuff. Um, bootlegs of shows. I'm keeping those, uh, you know, um, any of my radio show protection things, I'm keeping those to digitize all of those things once and for all after I did all that sorting stuff. So I've got stuff in the trash. I've got stuff for goodwill. I've got stuff. I know that I need to digitize. And then I had one entire box full of unlabeled cassettes. Okay. Unlabeled cassettes. So before I even start the start, the, the real work. I've got a pre-step. I've got a play-in. <laughs> this is like when the wild cards play into the playoffs. All of this. I have an entire box. I'm about halfway through. That I just have to figure out what is actually on this tape, if anything. Is it then? Once I figure out, is there nothing on this tape? If there's nothing on this tape, I'm throwing it away. Is there something on this tape? Is it capable? You know, then I then it's got all the same heuristics. Is this a radio thing? Is this an interview with somebody? Is this some sort of unique thing that I feel needs to be saved, or is it just a dub of an ordinary album that I can easily reclaim from any number of sources? If the latter, in the trash it goes. As I go through this step, you know, you know what I'm rooting for. When I put that thing in the cassette deck, is please let this be blank, because if every blank tape is one fewer thing that I have to deal with. Blank is the easiest thing to deal with. The next easiest is ordinary album I can just throw away. And then some of them, I was like, Ugh, I don't even know what this is. I have to make a decision. Is this a thing I want in the digitized pile or should I just throw it away? Honestly, the problem with most of this stuff is that if this entire box accidentally fell off the truck and I lost it, and I never rec- never knew that I had it. It's gone. I would never... I'm not missing anything in here. I would never be... Uh, there's nothing in here that I'm searching for. But now that I know that I have it, I feel obligated to digitize it. If I could just be cold-hearted <laughs> and say, you know what? This is an interview with somebody. Probably, like, a lot of the science fiction interviews, an increasing number of those people are dead, right? So, no, there are no subsequent interviews with these people. <sighs> So, you know, this is a finite resource that I have here. Does it matter if I if the world gets it or doesn't get it? There is a thing called Fanac, the what is it called? Fan activity. It's uh, Joe Siclary, Siclary or Siclary. It is a science fiction fan thing. This kind of archiving the history, and one of they have a YouTube channel where they have been uh, putting say um, videotapes of guest of honor speeches and panels from you know science fiction conventions of the seventies and eighties and things like that. Um, I believe that what I'm going to do is give them the archives of all the reality break stuff. I want somebody to have the archives because it would be interesting. Uh, It's a good um, snapshot of the field of science fiction from like 1982 to 1998. Um, It's a very specific slice of history um, that exists there. And it's a pretty good document. I mean, it did hundreds of interviews over that time period. Um, And it ought to live somewhere that's not just in my house. (laughs) Like, I actually think there's enough significance that it ought to be somewhere. But now the question is, where's the home? So um, if I can have a nice uh, giant digital archive that I can hand somebody, uh, that's a thing. It would be another thing if I handed them um, a giant box of unlabeled tapes (laughs) and saying, there is significance here. Uh, You guys, uh, you go sort it out. But that's what I'm doing. In its own way, I don't mind. I don't mind a key, giant queue of things. Like I sort of enjoy having the stack of well-defined work that's well understood that I can make go from here to there. It's when it's it's when it's wiggly. That's the that's what kills me. It's the wiggliness that kills me. <sighs> Maybe that's the show title. <laughs> the wiggliness kills me. That's the part I don't like. A stack of tapes, a stack of 50 tapes that need to be digitized and copied to something else. Okay, set me on it. It takes an hour per tape. <laughs> I'll do, you know, five to six uh, every day while I work. I'll just occasionally be changing tapes. Fine. Uh, expect that it'll take two work weeks, or maybe three. Fine. I'm great with that. It's all the things where I don't know what entails. That's, that's where the drag lies, my friends. That's where the drag lies. All right. With that, let us go out into our lives. All right. Let us go out into our lives. Thank you, my friends. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. Uh, I appreciate uh, Hall of Fame voters voting us in. Show notes will be up at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. You can reach me, Dave, at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. I appreciate everything. Um, I love the feedback. Been getting so much feedback lately. It makes me so, so very happy. I will catch you again next time. And until then, do not forget that I love you. Goodbye. And in fact, get it be, get it be, get it back. Some of us, not many of us, eight of us, will go into the podcast hall of fame. I'm cutting this out. Fucking. <laughs>
0: When that's over, if we're still alive, I'll clean my own fucking mess up.